0: you Diane for a beautiful beautiful song. Well God is good and all the time God is good. good. Father we thank you for the fact that you are our good good God. We thank you Father that we have a place where we can come freely to worship you and to honor you and to hear from your word and Father I just uh, pray that uh, our hearts will be open this morning that our Our minds will absorb, and that, Father, we will take out your word, and that we will share it with those that that may need to hear, and, Father, that we will apply it to our lives, and we will not just be hearers of your word, Father, but we will be doers of your word. It's in Jesus' name, amen. What's up, North Salem family? Glad to be uh, here with you, obviously, this morning, like always, and welcome to those that are watching online and joining us that way we are glad to have you with us today we are uh, in week six of our 16 week series on uh, the messages that i'm calling of uh, the great storyteller and uh, the the whole idea as we say each week behind this is that that good content or really compelling information that that we learn may not always change us it may not affect the way that we live but if we hear a good story and we apply that story to our lives things can change and our lives can change and i want to encourage you to to meet me this morning in mac or uh, excuse me mark chapter 4 is where we are going to be at today mark chapter 4 uh, i'm going to look at another one of jesus parables jesus was brilliant at sharing stories, and and, uh, the stories that Jesus shared are called parables. We find another one in Mark chapter 4. i got Matthew on my mind this morning. Mark chapter 4, if you want to turn there and find that this morning. An elderly man had uh, some serious hearing problems, and uh, for a number of years, his family had tried again and again to convince him to to go and get uh, some hearing aids, and finally he gave in. He went to the doctor, and he was was fitted for a set of hearing aids that allowed him to to hear 100%. A month later, he he went back to the doctor, and the doctor said with a smile, Your your hearing is great. You're doing doing very well, and your family must be really pleased that that you can hear again. The old man replied, Well, I, I haven't told my family yet. He said, I just sit around and listen to their conversations. I've changed my will three times. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what we hear when we really listen. It's amazing what we hear when we really listen. That's especially true when it comes to uh, the word of God. This is a, a, a powerful book right here, right? This is a very, very powerful book. And if we will listen to it, And we will apply what it says. It will change our lives if we really take the time to listen. In a time when not many people were were really listening to, to him, a time when people thought that he was either crazy or maybe even of Satan, Jesus told a story. That illustrates the power of his word. There's something that's just powerful about a story. That's probably why why Jesus would would use these, these parables so often, so many times in his teaching. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 and, and 2, right here. We're gonna, we're gonna look through verse 20, but we're gonna take this a little bit at a time this morning. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Once again. Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. That's the Sea of Galilee. That's the, the big lake in that area. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained at the shore, which is a brilliant move. I'm not sure if, if Jesus was... Uh, the only one to to do this or not but there were there were many people there and this was the age before we had uh, a microphones and and pa systems right and so he he pushed out on a boat jesus pushes out on the boat um, and let his voice resonate across the water across the the crowd that was gathered on on the shore it forms a, a sort of a A natural amphitheater there it it amplified his voice it was a a brilliant thing to do and this gives us a sense of of how many people were there it wasn't just a a conversation right this was a presentation lots of people okay so so Jesus pushes out on the boat hundreds maybe even even thousands of people are there uh, listening and here he begins to share this this big idea with them in in verse 2 he taught them then by telling many stories in the form of, here it is, parables, such as this one. Stories, right? It's a they're a way of reaching the heart in a in a way that any other form can cannot do. I mean, stories are, are the way that we reach the heart. In other words, the idea that Jesus was about to, the story that he was about to share was was so significant. It was so important that the only story that was good, in, the only way to, to communicate that story was to share it in a parable. Mark 4, 3 through 8. This was his parable. This was his story. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across this field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on shallow soil while underlying, with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. I know that you're on the edge of your seat here. All right, hold on. Verse 6. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now, back then, uh, a yield of 10 times the amount of uh, of seed sown well, was considered a, a great crop. It was considered a great uh, harvest when they got to harvest. And Jesus is promising here yields of 30, 60, even 100 times. Your life can be tremendously fruitful. It can be productive. But first of all, You have to hear God's word. You have to hear what it is God is trying to say if our lives are going to be fruitful, if they're going to be productive. We have to listen. We have to understand. You have to open your ears to the message of Jesus. You have to listen to what He has to say. In fact, That's exactly what Jesus invites us to do both before and after he he tells this this short story. In verse 3, he said, said, listen. Verse 3, he said, listen. And then he ends the story with this statement in in verse 9. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The NIV, the New International Version, says he who has ears to hear, let him hear. God's word will have absolute no effect in your life unless, unless you take time to hear it, unless you take time to listen. We can know all the stories. We can know all about all the stories of the Bible, but do we hear what it is God is saying to us? Are we listening to what it is God is is trying to say? In his book, Stress uh, Fractal, Dress fractures, Charles Swindoll talks about uh, the days when his, when his children were, were just young, and he writes this. He says, I vividly remember some time uh, back being caught in the undertow of too many commitments in too few days. He said, it wasn't long before I was snapping at my wife and our children, choking down my food at mealtimes, and feeling irritated at those unexpected interruptions throughout the day. Before long, he admits, things at home started reflecting the pattern of this hurry-up lifestyle. Swindle distinctly recalls the words of his younger daughter, Colleen, after supper one evening. She wanted to tell him about something important that had happened to her at school that day. And she hurriedly began, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'll tell you really fast. Suddenly realizing her frustration, Chuck Swindle answered, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. Swindoll never forgot her answer. Then listen slowly. Then listen slowly, Daddy. Let me tell you something. We we can't listen to God if we're in too much of a hurry. We can't listen to God if we're if we're too busy with life. We need to slow down enough to to really hear what it is God has to say. In other words, we need to listen slowly. We need to listen to God. We need to stop on a regular basis and and we need to, to take time to open God's word. And we need to take time to, to hear what it is that, that God is trying to say to us. If you want a life that's, that's fruitful and productive, then first of all, you have to hear. You have to hear God's word. But if that's all we do, if all we do is hear, it's not going to do us much good. So secondly, if we want to, our lives to count for something, then we must also believe and understand God's word. we got to hear it, but we got to believe and we got to understand it. We, we must trust what, what it is that, that God has to say so we can comprehend, so that we can, can grasp a hold of its meaning for us today. So Jesus says this in verse 9, as we said, Anyone with ears to hear should listen. And understand it, and, and which was just another way of of Jesus asking the question, "Do you get it? Do you get it? You see, a farmer sows the seed, and it didn't it didn't take over here, but but it took over there. It didn't work over here in this area, but it but it worked in that area. Do you get it? Now, some people would have thought, great, you know, some some farming tips. For, thanks, J.C., but I'm out. But that wasn't everybody's response. Mark chapter 4, verse 10 and 12. Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples, and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. So this is more than this is more than just the disciples who are interested, alright? The, there were some other people gathered around there that were also interested in finding out what it is that that Jesus was trying to say, what this parable actually meant. More than than just this story as well, but but other stories, other parables that that Jesus had been talking about. They were curious to to find out what what the meanings behind these stories were. And and it was so important that they, they all gathered around and they sat down at Jesus' feet so that he could explain this to them. And so in verse 11, he told them, Tell them the secret, and this is really important. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. And what he says next is going to, to just be really harsh, but hang with it, all right? But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders. Verse 12. So that the scripture might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Now, isn't when, when you first read this, you're like, "What? What are you talking about, Jesus? Isn't that what? Isn't that what we want? Wouldn't you want people to understand and wouldn't you want them to to turn and, and be forgiven?" I, I don't want to. I don't want us to misunderstand this though. Here, when Jesus' audience first told, uh, heard him quoting Isaiah chapter six, that's what this is. Which uh, they understood where he was coming from, right? So in Isaiah chapter six, God is saying through the prophet Isaiah, "I am, I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken because no matter, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, no matter, matter no matter what I say, people just aren't listening. They, un- they, they don't understand where I'm coming from. The last thing they want to admit is that, is that they need me. The last thing they want to do is, is admit that." that they don't have it all figured out. So that's what Jesus is saying here. And he says, hey, so we, we need to hear this through the voice of irony or sarcasm. It's almost like Jesus saying, you know, there's a little bit of a mystery here. There's a little bit of mystery here. And very few people, they're going to they're gonna try to, to discover more. Very few people are, are going to try and discover more, are going to try to understand it at all because the last thing they want to admit is is that they don't have it all figured out that they don't know what's going on nobody wants to to look stupid nobody wants to admit that they they need anything as hard as i try heaven forbid he says that they they admit they need any help they won't do it that's the way it is to be understood right so when he's saying this he's saying. They they don't want to understand. They don't want to hear. But you who are hungry, you who want a little bit more, you who are are curious for a little bit more, to you, he he says, the very beginning right here, verse 11, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. Those on the outside are those who have, have chosen not to believe in Jesus. And as a result, they see, but they never perceive. They hear, but they never really understand. Reminds me of the story about uh, the Lone Ranger and Lone Ranger and Tonto. The Lone Ranger and Tonto decided to go camping in the desert, and they, they got their tent all set up. Both men fell asleep and some hours later, Tonto awakes the Lone Ranger, and he says, "Kimosabi, look towards sky. What you see? That's my best Tonto." The Lone Ranger replies, "I see millions of stars, and what they tell you, Kimosabe? What that tell you?" The Lone Ranger ponders for a minute, then he says, "Astronomically speaking, it lets me know that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets." Astro, astrologically speaking, it tells me that Saturn is in, in Leo. Time-wise, it appears to be approximately uh, a quarter past three in the morning. Theologically, it's evident the Lord is all-powerful and we are uh, small and insignificant. Meteorologically, it seems we have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does the sky tell you, Tonto. Tonto was silent for a few minutes, and he says, "It tell Tonto, someone stole tent. (laughs) You see, the Long Ranger he he kind of understood, but he wasn't perceiving. He could see, but he didn't perceive. He was hearing what Tonto was saying, but he really wasn't understanding, just like the unbeliever when it comes to spiritual things. On the other hand, those who chose to believe in Jesus, those who choose to believe in Jesus understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. We we understand, we read about it, we, we apply them. They are those that have gathered around Jesus. So they comprehend things that were never before revealed. You see, Jesus had two reasons for speaking in parables first he wanted to conceal the truth he wanted to conceal the truth to the unbeliever but second second he wanted to also uh, reveal the truth he wanted to reveal the truth to to those that that he trusted or that trusted in him so if you want to truly see and and understand God's word first you got to believe it You've got to believe it to be true. If you want to see, you must believe. If you want to understand the, the, the delicate, intricate design and, and order in and, and God's creation, then you first must believe in the Creator Himself. And if you want to understand and comprehend God's Word, then you must first trust the author of the Word. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to make any sense to you. That's why people outside of Christ who don't believe think it's nonsense. They don't understand. They don't get it because they don't believe. And that's what Jesus was saying in this in this parable. Eric uh, Wellenmeyer was the first blind climber ever to reach the top of, of Mount Everest. Now he does business. He he does business now, consulting, and he, he does some charity work, helping people to see the world in in different ways, in new ways, and Asked by Fast Company Magazine what he looks for in teammates. He said this, I look for people who have an unrealistic optimism about life. I hear people say seeing is believing. I want people who believe the opposite. Believing is seeing. Then he says, you can tell who those people are. You say, hey, want to climb Everest with the blind guy? And pretty quickly, they figure out, he figures out who's a believer. I imagine it was like that when Jesus first came on the scene. The religious leaders thought he was the devil. His own family thought that, that he was out of his mind, that he was crazy. But Jesus said to some, hey, want to follow me to the kingdom of God? And those who responded, those who truly believed in him were able to see such heights of uh, of spiritual reality, a reality that, that most people weren't able to experience. Most of the world would never see. How about you? How about me? Uh, will, will we trust the one that, that some think is crazy? Will we trust the one that that others just don't believe in? Or will we trust the Lord Jesus with our lives? If we will. Then we will share the, or he will share the, the secrets of, of his kingdom with us. He will share the secrets of, uh, of the Bible with us if we choose to, to listen, if we choose to believe and understand, he's going to share it with us. That's what it's going to take to change the world. That's what it's going to take to live a fruitful and productive lives. First, we must. We must hear the word of God. Second, we must believe and and understand uh, God's word. But even that's not quite enough. There's still more we got to do. For if we want to truly make a difference in the world, we got to we got to listen. We got to understand. We got to believe. But we also got to do the word. We also got to do God's word. We got to put God's word into into practice. We got to live it out in our In our everyday lives, not just uh, what Sunday through Saturday, or just on Sunday, we got to live it out all week long, not just parts of that week, but all the time, not just part-time Sunday through Saturday, but full-time Sunday through Saturday. Mark chapter 4, verses uh, 13 to 15. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Now, he didn't always explain it, but in this case, he does. He said the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. Now, when John wrote his biography of of Jesus and and his gospel, he he said Jesus was the word that Jesus was the word. He was God. That's how John understood Jesus. Right. And so here, this was a story about the influence of God in our life, the, the influence and the impact of God in our life. That's what this parable is about, the influence and the impact of God in our life. God wants to grow you. And he, he goes on to explain that, that your ability to grow in your faith are, are even a, a discover faith for the first time really is resting largely on your response to God trying to speak to you. Your response to God when God is trying to, to reach you. So if right now you don't feel like you're growing or you're facing a confusing moment or you're you're feeling challenged by your faith. Or you feel like you're just kind of like checking out of your faith. You just don't really get what's happening. You don't understand what's going on. It's not because God isn't trying to lead you. all right. God isn't trying, not because God isn't trying to to love you or that God isn't trying to to comfort you or that God isn't trying to, to speak to you. It may be because You're not very receptive at the moment right now. And it could be for any number of other reasons that Jesus explains. Verse 15. He says, Some people, if God is trying to reach them or speak to them, are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Some people like seed along the path where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes along to take away the word that was sown in them. These are people who don't really hear the word. It kind of goes in one ear and out the other. These are people of uh, of God. These are people that God is saying, do, do you get it? Do you understand it? And these are people who, who would say, in all honesty, I don't want it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to understand it. And maybe for good reason, maybe somebody who, who said that they were speaking for Jesus or, or they were living for Jesus, has maybe they've treated you poorly. Maybe somebody who claimed to be a Christian has just put you through the ringer. They've, they've treated you in a, in a very, very bad way. And now, just don't want anything to do with it, because that—if that's what a Christian looks like, if that's what a Christian does—I I don't want to be a follower of Jesus. And if we're honest, there's nothing I can say, no, no environment that we could create that would make you budge a little bit on that. I don't want it. it, it it's ricocheting off your soul. No matter, no matter uh, what God is trying to say to you this morning, you're, you're just convinced that this is not something I want. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're watching online and you think, hey, this, I tuned in to kind of check this out and see what it's all about. You know, I've been going through this stuff, but I don't know if this is what I, I really want or not. But there are some other responses to it as God is trying to speak to us and and as God is trying to, to grow us and as he's trying to lead us. Look at uh, Mark, uh, verse 16, 17. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message. So they hear the voice of God in in their lives, right? And immediately receive it with joy. Verse 17, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. For when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, these are people who have an emotional response to the Word. They have an emotional response. They they enjoy the sermon. They enjoy being at church. They they enjoy that. But at the first sign of trouble, they kind of back away because they think the Word has failed them. They forget that following Christ is, is not always a bed of roses. They forget that Jesus promised there would be some thorns in those roses. So when they experience the thorns, they they give up on Christ. And they're like, you know, God, if this is what it is to me, then I don't want to I don't want to be a part of that cuz that just hurts. That that's hard. And if right now your experience of the voice of God has been nothing but excitement and uh, ecstasy, then God may be drawing you into a deeper and stronger develop faith so that your faith isn't always driven by your feelings. I know. See, I've been there when when faith stopped feeling good. I've been there when faith stopped feeling good. I was tempted to go to other things that, that felt good when faith started to feel tough. So God may be calling you into a territory that you've never been before, and and that's kind of scary. God may be calling you to do something, to to bring something out of hiding with somebody, and and that is terrifying. And God may be calling you to deepen your understanding of who he is, because maybe you got some doubts. Maybe that's worth exploring a little bit further. You see, the question is, What will you do with it when it doesn't feel good anymore? When this doesn't feel good, when faith doesn't feel good, when when serving Christ doesn't feel good, what are we going to do with it? You might be getting pressure from your workplace. You might be getting pressure at school or even in your family because you've started to express your faith. That's gotten some pushback. People don't like that. They don't like you talking about, Jesus they don't like that you got a Bible on your desk. What will you do in those moments of, of pushback, in those moments of, of pain? Unfortunately, many people because it stops feeling good, people who believe that that God is only in the goosebumps, they run to something else. There's some people when their faith has not been a surrender of their whole lives to, to Jesus. When they've not picked up a cross and, and followed him. When they've not sacrificed anything. They've just continued to follow the goosebumps that faith brings and the good things. And they received the flavor of faith but not the strength of it. And you see, that's, that's a life that is just a, a sitting duck. When the pain and the persecution and the challenges, when they when they hit, rather than growing strong or growing stronger, they they run. They go running. So maybe it's a encouragement is what's needed where you find yourself today. The faith that that faith has stopped feeling good and, and you wanna you wanna go somewhere else. You wanna go running to something else. I want to encourage you that, that Jesus is a Savior. He's not an escape. Jesus is a Savior. He's not an escape. And if, if, that's, if that's what you've done to try to escape the pain of uh, of your life and to run to some blissful thing, some of those environments and experiences that that's not going to lead you to where you need to be, if that's what your faith has really amounted to, then Jesus is probably calling you right now to stick around through the pain and to to invite him in to that pain, to let him join you in your pain and invite him in to that tomb where the resurrection really needs to happen and invite him in to the challenge of your marriage, or invite him into your addiction or, or that moment of bringing something out into the light, that moment that he needs to be a part of your life. Invite him in there so that you can experience the, the strength and the goodness of, of salvation right in the middle of your pain. Because he doesn't want you to escape it. He wants you to grow stronger than your circumstances. Right? He doesn't want us to escape all that pain because when we go through life's challenges, when we go through life's pains, that grows us and we're able to to get stronger. In our circumstances of life, that's what he wants to do. Look at verse eighteen and nineteen. The seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but all too quickly. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Now these are the people who have an intellectual response to the word. They agree that it's true. They might even say amen during, during the sermon, and, and but then life gets busy. And maybe you've been there. And in the pursuit of of wealth or just in the pursuit of taking care of a family, they forget what God said to them and they fail to put it into practice. When life gets tough, when situations happen that we don't understand and, and we start to run from our faith because the goosebumps aren't there anymore. This is tough or when we become the type of people that are smart enough to understand, yes, God, it's true. I believe it. But we start to to get busy in life. We we proceed with with all the different things going on in life. And we get so busy pursuing things. We forget what it is God has said to us. These are people who are succeeding or achieving or, or succeeding at maintaining and maybe maybe you have at a moment in your life giving your life to Jesus and, and and he started to pull you out in steps of faith into into growing your faith but you you've now settled down a little bit into just some sort of maintaining a, a stable life because that's the safest way that uh, that you've ever felt the safest that it's ever been like I've acquired a a certain amount of money in my bank account or I, I'm finally able to rub shoulders with the, the right people or I finally took a, or looked the way that that, that I want to look. I've finally gotten the track record or the traction in, in my, my career that I need to get and, and I don't want anything to disrupt that. I don't want anything to, to cause disruption in that balance that I've achieved. And, you know, from the outside looking in, you look full. But if we were to look really closely, that's not being fruitful. You aren't fruitful because now your worry has caused you to, to try and just maintain and contain uh, the things that your strength and your security have, have set up for you. And God has become, uh, been, been calling you to, to serve. And you're like, I just don't know if I have the time with everything else going on, or God is calling you to give into the mission of Jesus, and you're like, it's going to reduce my margin. I just can't can't do that. God is calling you to share your faith, and you're like, oh, that's really going to ruin my reputation. People at work, people at school, people in my, my circle of life, my circle of friends, they won't understand that. I can't do that. God's calling you to bring something to the light. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Everybody they uh, likes me right now. And if I start talking about Christ, if I start living my life that way, then they won't like me or love me if they really find out what's going on beneath the surface. There are people who are just more worried about how in the world they're going to do things of the world than what God is doing in their life and in the world. And if God is pulling you out of your comfort zone and he's asking you, do you get it? And you're like, yeah, I get it, but. Maybe some of you are there right now. The encouragement to you and certainly to me when I fall into that trap is that the antidote to your fear is not safety. The antidote to your fear is courage and faith to finally follow God into these surprising places of life that God is going to take you. To see what kind of fruit that that God can bear through your life. Now, thankfully, God has so much more for us. Here is how you can become the kind of life that can grow and God can use you. Verse 20, he closes this out with this. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. These are people who actually put God's word into practice. They are the ones whose lives become abundantly fruitful, both personally and in their influence over other people. I'm talking about the fruit of of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In your life, and I'm talking about the fruit of others who come to follow Christ because of your positive influence in your life, eventually your life will bear more fruit. God is going to produce results through your life. If you're the kind of person who, as God is speaking into your life, as God is leading you into another step of your faith, and asking you, do you get it? This is the kind of life that says, yeah, and I want more of it. God, give me more. You see, it's not enough to have an emotional response to God's word, and it's not enough to have an intellectual response. God's word we must also do God's word if we want a life that is fruitful and productive for the kingdom of God and we must put God's word into practice if we want a life that will make an eternal difference in the life of others there's no place that he's going to lead me where I should not follow no place he's going to leave me where I shouldn't follow God's goal in your life is not that you would, would know more It's not it it's that you would know more of him, that you would know him more. And what you're going to find over time is not only will your your faith become stronger, but you will have this intimacy with Jesus that you've never had before. You see, he wants you to know him and he wants you to to trust him. And I want to kind of just close with a a question and a couple stories right here. I believe that Jesus would ask this, all right, right after he would ask this question, do you get it? And I think that question is simply this, will you share it? Will you share it? One of the amazing things about stories is that we can identify with different characters or different features of the story. And I think this is a story that first and foremost is calling us to evaluate if we really want God to speak into our lives. That's the first thing. What kind of soil are we? But I also think that it's a story that can call us to join God in and the farming voice into the world, into the planning of his presence into the world. Matthew, when he tells this story, he he tells it right before the crucifixion. That might be when it happened, when Jesus shared it. In in other words, Jesus might be trying to teach us that, that this is how the mission is going to keep growing after his execution. You know, the cool thing is that all of The different soils that Jesus described, guess what? All of them can bear fruit. Some might take a little bit more patience and cultivation, a little bit more hard work, a little bit more love, but they can all bear fruit, even in the rocky soil. So it's not up to us. And I want you to hear this. It's not up to us to use this story as permission to evaluate whether or not someone is in the right condition for us to be sharing Jesus with them. I'm not allowed to write anybody off from the grace and the invitation of Jesus because I believe there's no way they're going to change their life. I've seen the end of some of those stories. I've seen where the the last person you would expect uh, to finally surrender his life or her life and to real hope and real life in Jesus. And I've seen the breakthroughs and ways that shocked me. People who I would have written off. People like Chris. Chris grew up on the streets of L.A. And like so many of the people around him, he was invited to join a gang. And he did at a very young age. And he had his grandmother who, who would tell you uh, about how she would pray, Jesus, I, I, I want him to have a different life than this. But it just wasn't planning out. Chris wasn't listening. Uh, for decades, Chris was uh full force in gang activity, in and out of prison, in and out of violence, in and out of addictions. And there are people in his life who wanted him to have a a different life, and they prayed for him on a a daily basis desperately, and they they loved him and cared for him and and always kept their doors open for him. But Chris, he, he didn't want anything to do with them. He didn't want nothing from them. Chris is the guy who most of us would look at and say, there's no possible way that this guy is going to give his life to Christ. There's no chance, no possibility of this guy ever following Jesus. At one point in his life, Chris was homeless on the street with a pregnant girlfriend. A guy from a church in in L.A. met Chris while he was serving among the homeless population in downtown L.A., and Chris didn't respond at all. He resisted as you would expect him to, even caused some trouble. But this man kept serving him, and he kept visiting him. He kept coming back, sharing his story with Chris. And over time, over the years, the hard soil of Chris's life, the tough exterior, was broken down. Was broken apart, revealing what is underneath all of us, which is a soft heart. And in desperate need to be known and loved and, and, and a desperate need of, of hope. Once Chris' hard exterior was was finally cracked through much prayer and, and much patience and much service and much love shown to Chris, he opened his life to Jesus. And guess what? Chris went to seminary school, and he ended up starting a church. He ended up going to, after seminary, he ended up going to a, uni, a college in East Tennessee called Johnson Bible College. And he went after college and he started a church. And the first people he got to baptize were the guys that used to be in his gang. Chris is getting to reach people that I could never reach. Because he opened up his life to what God can do one step at a time, one branch at a time, one leaf at a time. His life started to bear fruit, fruit that will will last forever. Why would you want to miss out on that? Edward Kimball lived such a life. He was a shoe shop assistant and a Sunday school teacher in Chicago. He spent hours of his free time hanging out with the young boys on the street in Chicago's uh, inner city, trying to win them for Christ. One day in 1858, he led a young boy named D.L. Moody to Christ. And Moody grew up to be a preacher. In 1879, Moody led a young man by the name of uh, F.B. Meyer to faith in Christ and who also grew up to be a preacher. Meyer won a young man by the name of J.W. Chapman to Christ. Chapman and two grew up to be a preacher and brought the message of Christ to a baseball player named Billy Sunday. As an athlete and evangelist, Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. That was so successful, the organizers uh, invited other, another evangelist to come and, and speak, and, and that guy's name was Mordecai Ham. And in the audience that day was a young teenager by the name of Billy Graham, who gave his life to Christ. And as you know, Billy Graham became one of the greatest evangelists of our lifetime. It all started with a businessman living out and planting the seed of God's word in one boy's heart. And that's the way the kingdom grows. As regular people live out God's word and and share it with those who will listen. That's the power of God's word planted in the context of loving relationships it will only not only change your life but it can also change the lives of many more multiplying itself 30 60 or even 100 times but you got to hear the word you must believe and understand it and you must do it you must live it out in our in our everyday life not just on sunday but Monday through Saturday as well. Live it out at work. Live it out at home. Live it out at at school, wherever you are. And God will make you fruitful and productive for his kingdom. And you may never see the influence that one conversation, one sermon, one Bible study has on somebody else's life. You may never see years from now the next Billy Graham because you shared the word with somebody and they shared the word with somebody and they shared the word with somebody. You may not see it in your lifetime but the influence of your life can have a multiplying effect on future generations. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're here. I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was that spoke into the life of a man by the name of Jim Ewing. But because somebody spoke into the life of the man by the name of Jim Ewing, because somebody spoke into the life of someone named Nellie Brown, And because somebody spoke into the life of someone named Nina Bear, I am able to hear and listen and do what it is God wants me to do. Because somebody I don't know shared into those people. Somebody is waiting for you to share into their life so that they can share into somebody others. You may never see it until you're in heaven one day. I thank Billy Sunday for sharing into the life of people. I thank Mordecai Ham for sharing into the life of Billy Graham. I thank all the different influences, all the pastors, all the Sunday school teachers, all the people that I've known who have shared into my life so that I can share into somebody else's. And someday that person can share into somebody else's life. That's why we're here, to take what we learn here, take it out there so that more can come in. Perhaps there's something you need to do this morning. Perhaps you need to say, I, I want to be one to take it out there. Maybe you just want a prayer. Maybe you, you want to share a testimony or whatever the case may be. We invite you to join us this morning up here. If God is speaking to you as we stand and as we sing together.